It's a privilege. And I feel that uh, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time and uh, equip you, not just to hear a story, but to uh, equip you in the own, your own stories as God is working through your life. So, Father, I pray that you would come now. Lord, we've been praying and asking for your Holy Spirit to come. We've got this picture of your light coming in. And so we pray that you would come. You would anoint this time, Lord. Help us to help uh, what I say to build your church, to equip your people to do all that you ask them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's, uh, it's a privilege, really, to, to share the story of the church in Iran. We like good stories, right? Everybody likes good stories. You go to the cinema, you read books. You uh, share your stories with other people, and, and we love stories. And uh, I have watched the story of the church in Iran unfold in my lifetime. I was born in Iran in the 1970s. My father is Iranian. My mother's British. I was born uh, in Tehran. And uh, I was born in the 70s, and the revolution in Iran happened in 1979. And uh, so at that time, the a hardline Islamic regime came and people thought that that small church would wither away and die. But something else has happened. So I'm going to tell you the story of Iran's church in two sentences. And um, that, that should encapsulate the whole thing. So if you want to wander off after that, you can. Um, but if you want to stay on, you're, you're most welcome to do that. So the story of Iran in two sentences. Persecution threatened to wipe out Iran's tiny church. Instead, it's become the fastest growing church in the world today. It was a tiny church in 1979. There were about 500 Christians from a Muslim background in Iran. The revolution took place, hardline regime, Ayatollah Khomeini, and all that came with that, the persecution. Everybody thought that that small church would wither away and die. All the missionaries were kicked out. But instead, today the most conservative estimate is 500,000 or more Muslims from, uh, Iranians from a Muslim background who now believe and follow the Lord Jesus. Many say more than a million. It's an absolutely astonishing story. How does a church like that grow in the midst of all the persecution? I remember... Uh, the last time I was in Iran was 1985. Uh, we've not been able to go back because of the persecution and, and my father's role in the whole story, my grandfather. But I remember being there in 1985. There were about 200 people. We went to the church, it was a small church. A couple of hundred people were there and they were praying. And I knew that my grandfather, who had come to faith in the 1930s in Iran, had uh, prayed his whole life for Iran, for God to bless Iran. He had started prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings in their home every day without fail for over four years in the 1950s. And the stories were legendary of, of how people were praying. And I remember thinking, Hang, what 100 or 200 people in this church, what can they do? What, would God answer their prayers? How can it actually happen? And it's been amazing to see the story unfold. One thing, one verse that I, we've read... Uh, Acts chapter 8, and that story is uh, what we'll base the message around today. But Acts chapter 1 verse 3 gives us a clue how that small church becomes a thriving church. 
After Jesus had risen from the dead, there were only a handful of people. There weren't many. It was a small group of witnesses. But it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 that he, Jesus, presented himself to be a... To, Uh, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. The risen Lord Jesus appeared to the disciples and to the followers. He showed himself to be alive. And that's why that small group of witnesses was able to make, uh, to change the world, because they knew that Jesus is alive. And that's what's happening in Iran, to, to, in Iran today. The, Lord, the same risen Lord Jesus is showing himself to be alive in Iran. And because of that, that small group of witnesses is sharing the message and others are hearing. So how is the church in Iran growing so far? So I want to just share a few thoughts from this passage and tell you a few stories that will help capture what we're talking about. In this story, in Acts chapter 8, the angel of the Lord appears to Philip and says, go to this road, and it's a desert place. It makes it very specifically uh, known that this is a desert place. Why would you go to a desert place? The church in Iran is growing through courageous leaders willing to go to desert places. Philip went to a desert place where... Why would you go there? Why would you go to somewhere where it seems that nothing really will happen? The church is growing through courageous leaders willing to go to difficult places. Let me tell you Sarah's story. Sarah was 24 years old. She's a friend of ours. Actually, she's been in this church uh, a couple of Christmases ago with us. And um, Sarah... When she was 24 years old, she finished her training with Elam. So I work with a ministry called Elam Ministries. Elam exists to strengthen and expand the church in the Iran region. We do three main things. We train leaders to uh, serve the Lord in that part of the world in the Iran region. We equip them with Bibles, books, and resources. And you hear about that in a minute. Then we send them to plant churches. And then we also do media ministry. Well, Sarah is one of those who was trained for ministry, went back to Iran. She, was, she felt the Lord tell her to go to a city called Isfahan. Isfahan is a very fanatical city. And when she went to that city, she felt the Lord say to her, I'm going to give you seven churches in this city. And she thought, Lord, how can I do that? There's, it's impossible for me. And all she knew what, that she could do was pray. And she prayed and they had the first church. Then they had the second church. Then they had the third church. Things are going well. The fourth house church, the fifth house church, the sixth house church. She knew where she was going to plant the seventh house church. But just a couple of weeks before she did that, there was a knock at the door early one morning, six in the morning. Five angry policemen burst in. They arrested her and her family. That night she was in Evin prison in Tehran. Very notorious prison in Iran. For 12 days they interrogated her. She was in solitary confinement. And she realized that they knew everything about her ministry. They knew about the six churches. They even knew where she wanted to plant the seventh church. And so she began to complain to God in her prison cell. Have you ever complained to God? Lord, she said, I, I, you told me, you told me seven churches. Now they know everything. Everything's lost. Everything's finished. Everything's gone. 
And she was complaining to the Lord and it was silent in her cell for a little while. But then one, on the, about the 17th day, she said the Lord spoke to her. And he said to her, Sarah, you are acting like I am dead. You are acting like I am dead. And she got up in her cell and she began to worship and praise the Lord. After 35 days, she was released from her prison. People told her, leave the country, it's unsafe for you. But she felt very clearly the Lord say to her, stay in this land, I have more work for you to do. Sometime later, even though the authorities had told her, you must never go back, you have no permission to go back to that city. The Lord opened the way for her to go back. And she planted the seventh church. The Lord is working through courageous Christians, just like he did in Acts who are willing to go to desert places where others might think it's a ridiculous thing to go. Why would you go to a hard place? Why would you go to a place where apparently there's going to be no fruit? But when you go where God sends you to go, he opens a way for something very dramatic to happen. We have so many brothers and sisters uh, in Iran, your brothers and sisters. You have family in Iran who are courageously going to desert places and seeing incredible things happen. Another way the church is growing is just like it was here, through the word of God. You have this Ethiopian eunuch who's reading the scriptures. And what I want to say here is that there are unexpected seekers all over the place. Unexpected seekers. Who would have thought an Ethiopian eunuch would be reading the scriptures and wanting to know more Wanting it explained to him. There are unexpected stories all over. And I want to encourage you today that there are unexpected stories all over, even here in Hazelmere. Right here in Hazelmere, there are so many unexpected. If you only look for the expected, if you only look for the predictable, you're going to miss the most exciting stories. Because all the most exciting stories in life is when the unexpected happens. And here you have this story, unexpected, an Ethiopian eunuch. And we're seeing so much of that in Iran today. That's one reason the church is growing. My friend Matthew was walking in the park one day. In fact, he was lost. And he couldn't understand why he was lost. He walks, um, uh, sorry, he, he was walking with a friend who took him somewhere that he'd never been before. And when his friend left, he was left in this park. And he sees a man sitting on a bench reading our New Testament. So Elam Ministries has printed a modern version of the New Testament um, in 2003. I joined Elam in 1998, and we had been translating the Bible into modern Persian. Finally, in 2003, it was finished. We printed 10,000 copies of the New Testament. And I remember thinking, what have we printed 10,000 copies for? That's a lot of New Testaments. Who's going to read these? Who are we going to give these to? But... We soon had to print another 20,000, and then 50,000, another 100,000. Today, we have printed more than 1.5 million copies of the New Testament for Iran. And this year, we want to print another 200,000. So God is working through the scriptures. And so this man was sitting on a bench reading one of those New Testaments, and he recognized it. So Matthew goes up to him and says, Hi, I just see you reading a book. What is that book? As if he doesn't know much. And uh, the man says, I'm reading this book. Somebody gave it to me. It's fascinating. But I don't understand it, and there's no one here to explain it to me. Matthew is one of our best pastors in Iran, so he sat on the bench, explained the gospel to him, and led him to the Lord Jesus. Vahid is another friend of mine. 
And um, he is a wonderful. He goes to a city in Turkey, actually, where there were Iranians. There had not been a church in that city for decades. And so he went and planted a church. One day a woman comes up to him. She's never been in a church. She's never read the Bible. She came to him and she said, uh, Sir, I, I had a dream and in my dream there were these verses, this, this, these words. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. From First uh, Peter. Or Second Peter. First Peter. And, but she didn't know anything about it. She said, Can you explain it to me? And there he is, able to explain the gospel to her. The same kind of thing that you're reading here in the scriptures is happening because it's the same risen Lord Jesus who is at work building his church. God is working as he, uh, as with, through unexpected seekers. My friend Esan was walking the streets one day as he normally did, here with a backpack full of New Testaments and praying, Lord, who should I give the scriptures to? The night before, he'd had a dream. And in his dream, he'd seen a woman, an Iranian woman, completely covered. The only thing you could see is her eyes and a little part of her face. And completely covered in this black covering. And in the dream, she was calling out for help. Well, he was walking that day, and he sees a family, a man with several women and children. And they were all covered. He had the full beard, very stern-looking man. And he thought, they will not be interested. And so he began to walk on, but then he felt in his heart, what if one of them is the woman in my dream? And so he went to them and he took a New Testament and he said to her, to, to the man first, Sir, I'm a Christian, I have a gift for you. It's the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. It's changed my life, it can change your life. And he gave it to the man, the man was happy. He said, can I give it to your family? And he gave each one of the family members a copy of that New Testament. And the, one of the women, her eyes opened up, a smile came on her face and then the tears began to roll down her eyes. And she looked at him and said, six months ago I had a dream. And in my dream, Jesus Christ came to me and said, find my book. I want to speak to you to, through it. I have been looking for this book for six months. There was a man called Mehdi. Mehdi was studying in a city called Rome. Rome is at the heart of the Shia Islamic faith. There are 50,000 Islamic seminary students. He wanted to become an ayatollah. Have you heard the word ayatollah? Yeah? Does it give you warm and fuzzy feelings? No. <laughs> he wanted to be one of those guys. He was a, Mus a mullah. He was going around preaching Islam, but he was studying in his Islamic seminary library one day. He was looking for a book, reached up, pulls out a little book he'd never seen before. On the front it said, Injile Isaiah Masih, which means the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of our New Testaments had somehow got into that Islamic seminary library. I know this man personally. He's a, he's a friend. He said, I pulled out that book, and I read it for five hours that day. By the end, he wanted to know, who is this man who can heal blind eyes? Unexpected seekers. There are unexpected seekers right here, maybe living on your street, who actually want to know the truth. Let's look for those unexpected stories. Another way the church is growing is through TV and the internet. In the story that we've read, there's a bit of beaming going on. Philip suddenly is transported somewhere else. 
And I know it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, we are doing some beaming today. And the gospel is getting into homes all over Iran. All over Iran, into homes that would never otherwise hear the gospel. So I want to tell you a story as I finish here and, um, and bring a, some closing thoughts. And it's a, it's a great story. It begins about 25 years ago in Canada. A Canadian woman meets an Iranian woman. And she has the guts to share the gospel with this Iranian woman. The Iranian woman accepts and comes to faith. She grows in Christ. She decides to go back to Iran to tell her family about Jesus. She gets to Tehran, goes to her sister's home. She has dinner, and they're about to, she says to them, I want to share something very important with you. So her sister sends her daughter, Maryam, who was 11 years old at the time, upstairs, says, Auntie wants to tell us something important. You go up to bed. Maryam is curious. She thinks, what is this important thing? So as she goes up the bed, up the stairs, she goes and she sits on the top stair, listening to her aunt tell her family about Jesus. And there on the top of the stairs, Maryam decides that she wants to follow Jesus Christ. She grows in faith. A number of her family came to faith. But later on, Maryam came and joined Elam. One of the things that we wanted to do was start a children's TV program for Iran. And Mariam was the person. So we started this program called Garden of Friends. But we had absolutely no idea what we are doing. We don't know how to make children's TV programs. But I had a friend in America. And he had a friend called Steve Feldman. Steve Feldman was a Jew. But he had come to faith. Somebody had led him to faith. And then he was discipled. And he grew in and wanted to serve the Lord. He happened to be a director of Sesame Street. He's an Emmy Award winner. My friend says to Steve, will you go and help these guys? They want to make a children's program. So he helps us. It becomes a beautiful program. It's really a wonderful program. Kids love to watch it. We actually got an email this week from China. A Chinese child is watching a Persian Christian TV program. It's ridiculous. I got the video of it. Um, It's a great program. There was a lady in Iran, her name is Lale. When she was a child, Lale was raped by her brother multiple times. She told her parents, but her parents did nothing. She became pregnant by her brother. She had a son, and the parents gave the boy away. Lale was broken, destroyed her soul. She grew up, she met somebody, and she got married to a man. She hoped this would bring some joy to her life. But he too was an abuser, an alcoholic. She had another child by this man, a little girl called Ariana. Ariana, she hoped, would bring her joy. But life was so hard for Lale. By the time Ariana was seven years old, Lale had enough. She woke up one morning and she said to Ariana, let's die together tonight. And Ariana, seven years old, wanted to please her mom and said, okay. But Ariana had been watching Auntie Mariam on our children's TV program. 
And so she said to her mother, Lale, can we phone Auntie Mariam before we die? And her mother says yes. And so Ariana, seven years old, calls the number at the bottom and speaks to my friend, Cyrus, and his wife, Mariam, another Mariam. She says, we're going to die together tonight, my mother and I. Can you pray for us? Cyrus says, please, let me talk to your mother. And the mother comes on. For two hours, she pours out her anguish and her pain. And they share the story of the gospel with her. And at the end of two hours of talking, she prays a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, help me. Save me. They discipled her by telephone. She came to one of our conferences last year. She's been to three training conferences now. We've met her. We've invested. She's been able to forgive her brother, her parents. She's led her husband to Christ. And today her house in Iran is a house church and many are coming to know the Lord Jesus. I want to ask you a question. Whose story is that? Whose story is that? Is it the Canadian woman's story? Is it the auntie's story who goes back? Is it Mariam's story? Is it Steve Feldman's story? Is it Lale's story? Or Ariana? Or maybe her husband? Or the people that they're now reaching? Whose story is it? God is writing the story. And it's a beautiful story. It's a wonderful story. And I want to encourage you today to submit yourself afresh to the story that God is writing. Because when we submit ourselves to the story that God is writing, he can take even the most painful parts of our stories and make something beautiful out of it. And not only is God writing the story, God does something else. God invites us to be a part of the story that he's writing. He invites each one of us. We live in Hazelmere. What can we do in Hazelmere that will be spectacular in the story of God? Much more than you think. A Canadian woman there to reach somebody. I was, this week I was in Turkey with a number of Christians and there was a believer who'd been in prison in Iran and testified that there were days in prison in Iran that he felt the power of God's people's prayers. That's what I heard just this week. He invites us to be a part of the story that he's writing. And everybody has an important part to play. I want to encourage you to respond to the call that God has on your life, to play the st- part of the story. That's why we're called the body. Everyone has a part to play. I want to encourage you. God 
is writing a beautiful story. He sends Philip to a desert place where no one would expect anything good to happen. To speak to an unexpected seeker. And the gospel goes back to Ethiopia through that man. God wants to write unexpected stories through us. I want to finish with a video of another unexpected story. The story of Arman. I was with Arman again just this week. A wonderful brother. And you have to read the subtitles in English. um, But it's worth following the story. It's a great story. Again, God will work through us when we allow him to write beautiful stories through our lives. Thank you very much.